Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Script Shop. I'm Jack Crumley here with you today. And I'm Allison West. And we are here to talk about scripts, movie scripts, long scripts, short scripts, funny scripts, serious scripts. Anything else that, you know, comes to mind. Scripts that climb on rocks. You get it. <laughs> uh, That's a good one. Yeah. Today's guest is Chris Pinner, who is uh, going to be joining us from Chicago. He has written a short that is called The Hold Up. It's called Hold Up. Yeah. I actually had to clarify that with him. Oh, okay. Because, well, it's funny because an email, I emailed him and I was like, ah, Chris, I'm so sorry I called your script The Hold Up. Because mm-hmm. I get real picky when people add extra words to my scripts. Well, sure. And he said, oh, it's fine. I forgot what I called it. <laughs> <laughs> he seems casual then. Yeah. It's Hold Up by Chris Pinner. So he'll be joining us. We're going to talk about it. It's a really fun uh, script, almost like a buddy comedy. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and we will be uh, talking with him in just a minute. We want to say a big thank you to iHeartMedia Cincinnati. They are hosting us and providing us with uh, a space to do this show in, which makes it a lot easier for you to hear us as opposed to us just sitting in a room and talking with people. And us to sound like we actually know what we're doing. Yeah. That helps, too. Yeah. So big thank you to uh, Scott Reinhardt and everybody at iHeartMedia Cincinnati. And if you are liking what you're hearing here on the show and you want to get a little bit more Jack and Allison. And why wouldn't you? <laughs> you can follow us online, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show. Okay? So I, I don't know if this is ever going to get easier, but it's always fun. It gets easier with practice, Script- I would imagine. <laughs> Script Shop Show. Yeah. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and also, if you are interested in being on the show, if you're interested in talking about the script you have that just makes your heart come alive, you can send those into scriptshopshow.com mm-hmm. slash submit. There you go. You know, I'm really lucky I don't have a lisp, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a huge problem for this entire show. <laughs> Who knows how any of this would be right now if you were thuffing your way through things. The, I can't even do lisp. Yeah, that's, I don't want to do that either. No. Okay, whatever. Scriptshopshow.com slash submit. <laughs> Please send us your send us your stuff. Uh, somebody who did send us their stuff and who we enjoyed reading very much is a gentleman by the name of Chris Pinner who uh, joins us now from Chicago. Chris, hi there. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. How you doing, Jack? Good. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show and uh, talking about Hold Up with us today. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. So, um, Chris, you're not actually from Chicago, correct? No, not originally, no. I was born in uh, Louisiana, specifically New Orleans. Um, no, I don't have the accent everyone expects me to have for what, some reason. What, what kind of accent do people from New Orleans have? Yeah, what accent would that be? Oh, God, I don't know. Whatever whatever it sounds like in movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. Something oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, Adam the Louisiana Sandler, accent. Adam Sandler Waterboy-esque. So, <laughs> so uh, how long but, have you been uh, writing? I've been writing for a long time. Screenplay writing is actually something a bit more uh, new, though. Um, so spent a lot of years writing short stories, little comics, comic books, stuff like that. Only got it's been a while since I've gotten something published in actuality. So just recently, 
I've been working a lot with uh, filmmakers, usually for artwork. I do a lot of illustration and stuff like that. So I do things like movie posters, um, illustrations to sell things, promotional stuff. And since I'm always kind of around film people and stuff like that, I wanted to get back into writing. And I've uh, been working on a few different things. This was the first one I've finished recently. I put it in a little film festival, and it happened to make it in. So I'm very happy about that. You mean Hold Up did? Yeah, Hold Up. Yeah, correct. particularly. Yeah. When you're writing stuff, or because the hold up, whatever, whatever it's called. <laughs> right. Thank you for the option on that one. When you're writing stuff, and because you do have that sort of visual background, when you're writing things, do you write with visuals in mind? Yeah, yeah. For this particular piece, hold up. This one was the easiest one to finish out of all the stuff I was doing, probably because it was based actually on like the three blocks around where I live in my neighborhood. So it was actually kind of you could plot out the entire plot of this screenplay um, right around my apartment. It completely makes sense. Where it says there's a sandwich shop, there's a sandwich shop. Where it says there's a bank, there's a bank. Where there's an alley. And that kind of gave me a good headspace that I didn't have to worry about which one was. I could just focus on writing dialogue and witticisms. I wonder if, um, because your practice with using visuals, if that... And this is a, we're diverging from the whole script shop theme here, but I wonder if that would make you a good director. What do you think? Oh, jeez, who knows? <laughs> Being a director is tough. I did go to film school, and uh, I think I learned that uh, it was something I thought I would really love to do. Uh, but then in the end, it turns out I really just like writing and drawing a yeah. lot more than uh, having to deal with... Um, I guess, actual location shooting and stuff like that. So who knows? I never really took a swing at it, but maybe one day. And you went to film school? Um, I went to a city university that had a film department. I was a double major in communications and fine art. What was college like for you? Uh, you know, um, not, not, a, not a state college, more of a commuter college. I worked 40 hours, went to school. A very kind of casual experience. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, that's really, I guess, the best I can say. I studied pretty much anything I wanted to study. I also studied science. It took me seven years to get a four-year degree, if that gives you an idea how much I enjoyed it. Oh, man. I mean, but you said you were I just working take, I just took time. taking classes I had no need to take whatsoever, so <laughs> way too much money. But you were trying to figure stuff out, right? Yeah, exactly. Trying to figure out my place in the world. You know, less less concerned about a major. Well, yeah, so that's money not wasted then. You're cool. I wouldn't feel bad about that. No, you know, once you get the bills, you know. Well, that's true. It changes everything, Fair doesn't enough. it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and how long have you lived in Chicago now? Uh, about eight years, I think. I don't know. I think I might have been saying eight years for the last two years, so maybe about ten years. <laughs> not exactly sure. Somewhere in that range. What prompted your move? Uh, I kind of, I graduated from school and, uh, I just, I figured for me to make it as a big artist or whatever, I should probably move to a bigger city. I always wanted to live in a bigger city. That was really kind of the main draw, I guess. I mean, it was kind of like I, I put some names in a hat, whether I'd be moving to Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. I think Chicago fits me the best though. So Except for the cold weather, but once you get used to that, the rest is easy. Mm-hmm. How much of a change was it? Cul- I mean, cause you're talking about a culture change going from, from, from Louisiana to Chicago, uh, the weather's going to be significantly different. Did, did you take to the, the northern city as well as you thought you would? You know, I learned that, um, you know, once I lived in, when I lived in Louisiana and stuff, I was always like, I'm not the rest of these southerners, you know. 
And when I moved up to Chicago, I'm like, holy crap, I'm I'm really a southerner, aren't I? You know, that's kind of what thought me. Everybody works really hard in Chicago, and I don't. That still does not. You know, I'm like, Jesus Christ, calm down. You know, it's just a job. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's much more of a much more of a work ethic in the city, which is is still difficult for me to get accustomed to. That was probably the biggest culture shock, like people bragging about how hard they work. You know. Um, yeah, like, like I work. To work I work seventy hours. More like a Louisiana, week. more like New Orleans. People brag about how lazy they are. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's a big difference. Yeah, that's regard. a that's a one eighty for sure. Yeah. Mm. Do you think it's harder to make friends in Chicago if you don't have, I guess, that much in common with people? Uh, if you can go to a bar and drink, you're golden. So yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Perfect. Yes, we understand. <laughs> yeah. <too> well. <laughs> so that's. Uh, and I haven't had any problems making friends in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Chris, were you always a, uh, a a creative kid? You said you did. You've done some comics. You've done some graphic design type stuff. Were you always like a creative kid growing up? Yeah, I think it started pretty obvious. I think it was. I, was, I always took the drawing. I was drawing little comics since I was in first grade or whatever. So it just always kind of. I kind of took to it naturally. Was there so uh, when you went out like first grade, going out for recess? Were you the kid that was playing with trucks in the dirt? Was it more about like pretending, or was it like going down the slide or playing a sport? What was your go-to uh, childhood recess activity? Uh, it was really awkward. Um, yeah, I was the weird kid at school. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. Uh, I uh, I didn't. I had trouble playing with other kids. I think I just kind of stuck to myself. Hmm. Got a couple of friends. Yeah. Um, gosh, just kind of private, though? Yeah, yeah, you know, it, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't the most adjusted kid out there, I guess. I got better over time, don't mm-hmm. worry. Well, how uh, come? Back then, yeah, <laughs> that was kind of, kind of always reading comics, stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. in my own head. You sound fine to me. That that, that that's, that's totally okay yeah, in my book. Thanks, you yeah. sound like an okay kid for me. Really, I'm really, I'm really good at podcasts. So, you know, <laughs> uh, did you grow up with a family, brothers and sisters? Nope. No, very small family. Small as in like just you or like you and your mom or you and your mom and your dad? Me and my mom. Yeah, yeah. no, just me. It was just me, six-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It was a young Sheldon situation. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, me and mom. That was it. Single, <laughs> single family household. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting that you talk about, like, not having siblings, not having a lot of friends growing up, because your script, of course, is buddy comedy. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, this particular script, I mean, it's the main characters are called Chris and Matt. My name is, of course, Chris, and one of my best friends is a guy named Matt. So, it, it you know, it's, it's not too hidden. It was actually kind of just kind of lazily named the characters Chris and Matt, but... In a lot of ways, that's that's kind of based around my own interactions with people, how I talk, how friends talk, things like that. Um, the idea for this story came from actually me just having a crummy day after work and just walking home thinking like, ah, Jesus, what's the worst that could happen? What could he? And just kind of imagining my head how my night could get worse and worse and worse. And that's where the initial idea came for, for the story. Um, a guy gets stuck up, you know, uh, he, you know, it's, it's, it's steamrolls from losing his job, losing his television, having no money, uh, and then getting stuck up by a criminal. Of course, then of course I want to change things around after that. You know, we're going to have Jack do a beat breakdown. Um, because of course, a lot of our listeners, we encourage them to read your script ahead of time, but just in case they haven't, since we're falling into the script discussion, Jack's going to just lay out a couple of plot points for us. 
So yeah, it starts with this uh, this Chris character who is sitting in an office with a very worried look on his face because his boss is firing him from his job because he said what he thought and he was not thrilled with the position that he was in. <laughs> and the boss said, mm. you need to go. So that leads to him going home. Wait, does he get fired or does he quit? I can't. Oh, he gets fired. He gets, uh, does he he gets he? fired, yeah. He. Uh, it's not one of those like... Well, you can leave, or I can fire you. And he leaves. He just he just straight out gets fired. It, it's one of those things that I've seen a lot of uh, of small films like this, where you know the, the first scene is the character quitting or getting fired. It's always a good jumping off point. Uh, and this one, though, I wanted to make it definitely seem like it was his own character's fault. You know, that yes. he's not like a good employee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hilarious though because and Jack and I were just talking about this before we got started. The boss brings him in and is like, "So we heard you were talking." real bad about us and the character's like yeah but i was on my lunch break so obviously i'm technically not on the clock you can't punish me for that (laughs) yeah that's 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 an actual excuse i've heard at jobs before so you know like oh we're on the clock we can do whatever the hell we want and it's like you can't so so the chris character gets kind of hit by this bus right to start out with and he ends up going to a sandwich shop to get a bite to eat and he ends up getting held up this guy named matt comes up with a gun and says give me your money and uh things roll along the matt ends up shooting chris <laughs> which i'm laughing because it is so so funny it's such a good little moment it because so it, funny. it was again chris saying what was on his mind and it ultimately led to him getting shot uh and then he decides because he's been hanging out with this matt guy for a while that he decides he doesn't want to dime him out when the fuzz rolls up and uh, so they kind of end up becoming friends at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the idea of these two dinkuses kind of find each other in the world. They're both kind of lost souls. They're not very responsible people. Uh, but at least, you know, that, that's kind of the good, that's kind of the spin. They, they do find each other. Yeah, I feel like they're both, they find each other both kind of probably, I mean, we don't know what Matt's day was like up until this point, but it probably couldn't have been going all that good if an armed stick-up is sort of the way he's spending his evening. Yeah, I kind of have an imagined backstory for him, too, which I never really, which there's only a couple of lines here and there that kind of hints at it. But he has had an extremely bad day as well, is the idea. Right. So, um, listeners, this is a 19-page short script. So, again, um, as happens, scripts that get to the point and do it very, very well are things that we really appreciate here on Script Shop. We're going to go ahead and read a selection from the script. Um, We're going to have Chris reading the Chris character just because as much as we love Frank, the producer who's here in studio as well, I don't think anybody could play this character right now as well as Chris could. Um, and then we're, <laughs> we're going to have Jack read for Matt. I'll be doing the stage directions. And um, <clears throat> just to, again, clarify, we have Matt. Um, this is the first time these characters are meeting. Matt is holding up Chris. So I guess Matt's the bad guy. Chris is the good guy right at first. Um, you guys feeling feeling loose, feeling ready? Tip of the tongue. Yeah, the I guess the lips. So. I got my uh, I got my finger on the pulse here. Technically, nice. a computer mouse. Yeah, let's go. Okay, great. So, and exterior sidewalk night, a dark sidewalk in a quiet neighborhood. Chris walks slowly, looking at and playing on a smartphone with sandwich and bag in hand. As he continues to walk on, a man, Matt, dressed in a hoodie, walks briskly behind him. As Matt draws closer, he reveals a gun from the inside of his hoodie. When Matt finally comes near to Chris, he puts the gun towards Chris's head. Give me your wallet. Chris spins around. Right? Chris sees the gun. Oh, God, is that a gun? 
<laughs> Chris drops his sandwich and phone. Wallet. Get me your wallet. Ah, shit. Is this a stick-up? The wallet. Just give me your wallet. Are, are you going to shoot me? Stop talking and give me your goddamn wallet. Well, what do you want with me? Jesus Christ, you moron. Stop talking and give me your... Chris screams and takes the stapler out of his coat. He tries to staple Matt on his shoulder and is pushed back. Chris stumbles back and holds up the stapler as if it's a drawn knife. Matt looks on, confused. Is that a stapler? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did I get you? You mean like, did you staple me? Yeah. No, no. Come on, man. Pauses for a moment and stares confused at Chris. That was really stupid. I've got a gun. I could have shot you. It's really not worth it. Come on, man. Just give me your wallet. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, please don't be mad at me. I've had a really bad day. I was fired for literally no reason today. And I, I don't have a girlfriend either. Dude, I really don't give a shit about your stupid life. And could you put down that stapler, please? Yeah, yeah. Chris drops the stapler. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I should have filled it with staples, I think. I seriously just want this to be over. Please, your wallet. Oh, uh, okay. Chris reaches for wallet. Uh, here, here it is, but it doesn't have any money in it. Chris hands him the wallet. Oh, come on, really? Ugh, the hell, I swear to God, nothing is going right for me tonight. Chris picks up his phone and sandwich. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Chris and Matt stare at each other for a few seconds. So, uh, so can I go now? No. Give me your phone. Matt swipes the phone from Chris's hand. Come on, start walking. Start walking that way. Ah, Jesus, all right. And in scene. In scene. <laughs> all right. I was actually really nervous doing that. So, but, oh, um, were you? Oh, you were methoding. You're so good. Yeah, I was. I was nervous. <laughs> I didn't know how nervous I'd be. Oh, man. So uh, I love that. Okay, so a little bit of context, too. He has this stapler because he stole it from work. The boss in the script tells him to pack his things, which he doesn't have anything, and he happens to take a stapler kind of office space. Yeah, the boss specifically says, yeah. take all your things, leave the stapler. Right. And all he has in his desk is a stapler, mm-hmm. so he takes it. Yeah. Sticking it to the man. You to the, uh, boss. There we go. And then, of course, as you can see, one of the things I love so much about this script is kind of the flip-flop good, good guy, bad guy thing where we have um, Matt, played by Jack, saying, ah, nothing's going right for me today, in the middle of holding up somebody else who obviously is in a worse position wow. than he is. Well, that's, yeah, I, I'm trying to hint as early as I can that this guy really isn't that awful. He even says, you know, come on, man, I could have shot you, you know? Like, <laughs> like put the he stapler has some concern for the guy. He really just, he really just wants a few hundred dollars. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to kill anyone. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He's in kind of a desperate situation, so uh, he, he just wants this to get over with. He thought it'd be easy. He sees a guy with a suit and figures, well, this guy probably has money, and uh, nothing goes his way. So you, you, do, you did come up with some kind of a backstory for Matt then? Yeah, yeah. There's kind of a little invisible Matt story. His life is he's kind of a, you know, not a very responsible person who makes good choices either, and it's kind of wound him up in this very desperate situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about what you call your lazy writing, which is basically like your life is the life of Chris the character. In the beginning when this character is getting fired from his job, has this ever happened to you like that? No, nothing like that. I'm actually a very good employee at my job. So <laughs> Do I, uh, you want to say anything I've else nice about yourself really well. before yeah. we share this with um, them? <laughs> there is, maybe it's sometimes that might be kind of my, uh, the way I speak, my own sense of humor. You've known me in 
you've seen me in real life, Alice, and you've yeah. seen me after a couple of drinks. I'm, I'm a goofy guy. Um, so a lot of it's goofy dialogue that, you know, I, I, I can be a joker at work. Um, so there's, there's quite a bit of me in this character. I'm not nearly as irresponsible as him, but that's kind of, the comedy kind of comes from that exaggeration. You know? So like the, the part where he's in the sandwich shop and he's real nervous trying to pay for a sandwich in front of the cute girl and he doesn't have any money, hardly. That's like mm-hmm. never happened to you where you're trying to swipe your debit yeah, card. Yeah, going. it literally happens every night. <laughs> yeah. I'd, Come on, who can relate to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sitting here doing the podcast and our piles of money. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, I, I, you know, I have been short on money and stuff like that before. I think we've all, I mean, I'm a bit older than that these days. I'm a bit better at managing my money, uh, which is even kind of talked about in the movie. You know, how do you manage your money? How do you not have money? Um, there's another scene earlier where he goes to his apartment and it's all just, just garbage everywhere with an extremely, extremely nice TV that's sitting on a bar stool. Yeah. And, uh, the idea that this guy is terrible at managing his money. Yeah. So, uh, and I love the idea too, the, just, think, the visual of that scene of the, the camera maybe slowly panning around this Garbo apartment <laughs> with, with, with stuff piled up everywhere and then slowly gets this gorgeous television into the shot. I, I was seeing that as I was reading it. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking about uh, when I was writing this movie is I really tried the, the idea is I wanted to write a movie that could be filmed on a very small budget. You know, So if I can find a director for this, this is going to be a very low-budget movie. And I wanted to, to relate to that. It's mostly two characters, a few props. And in my head, I'm actually thinking like, ah, oh, geez, this TV might be an expensive part of the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to blow the budget. It's the most expensive thing in the film, yeah. Well, especially since you have to let it like li- literally crash and oh yeah how many takes I mean, you gotta, I mean you can only do a one take on that right yeah yeah exactly yeah well yeah you know you think you might get one of those prop tvs or something and uh you know after effects a, a display on it. yeah that might be cheaper <laughs> like that. i'm seriously thinking about these things when i'm writing it though like well this, this could be easily written around or you know um, or it could happen off camera and you just hear a crashing sound. Well, that's true. Well, that sounds like a really savvy way to approach writing as a business, making sure that you're writing things that could be easily produced. Do you do that with all yeah, of your I know, scripts? I, a lot of times that's where I kind of think when, I, when I've gotten into it, because I have been on sets of films as a production assistant, uh, production manager on short films, student films, stuff like that. So budget is always really kind of bizarrely conscious mentioned earlier, I don't know if I'd want to be a director, because one of the things I hate worrying about is money. Um, and uh, so, yeah, when I read a lot of screenplays, I read like them uh, describing the headers, you know, or describing the hell out of certain locations and giving as many details as we can. Well, I kind of try not to be that detailed to make things a little bit more easy to shoot around. You know, if you can say things take place in an alley or by a bank, um or in an office building, uh, you know, for instance, if the boss is described as a male or female, because you could, you could really put anyone into that boss position. It doesn't have to be, you know, specifically a 45-year-old balding man or, you know, a, uh, a 30-year-old business class woman. It could really kind of be what the director decides to be. So a lot of times when it comes to describing settings and places, uh, I try to be, when you work in the world of film, I think it actually sometimes helps to be not too descriptive and focus on things like the dialogue, mostly. Mm-hmm. 
I think some of those very like simplizations really lend themselves. I don't. Is simplization a word? I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll embrace it. It's we'll cool. Right, that one. I mean, listen, English is a living language. But simplifying some of those details in the script lends itself to this in the way that your characterizations come out. Like the relationship between Matt and Chris is really, really, really quickly defined. The fact that for some reason they're both kind of going with this. And all the mishaps that they're having says a lot about who they are together. Yeah, that's that's going to be the main focus of the story. Really, it's 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 the words they say between each other is what it really revolves around. So you said that uh, Chris, it, it, the character is not necessarily based on you, but you and your buddy happen to have those same names. So, but you've never had one of these get fired and then get robbed situations. This isn't based on a specific thing, is it? I've never been fired nor robbed. So yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's all kind of made up in that it's the situation itself isn't specifically based on anything. Uh, me and my particular friend Matt, we've always gotten along. We've never gotten a fight, and most of this screenplay is them kind of sort of fighting before they become friends. But it's easy to kind of place what dialogue is. Uh, I've always heard that when you write a screenplay, sometimes it's best to say the words out loud to to make sure the dialogue sounds natural. Mm -hmm. So when I can base it around someone I know, it becomes easier to imagine what he would say, you Mm -hmm. know, in this specific situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get that. Yeah, you hear his voice. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. So is there a reason why we went with... uh, I I love the firing scene because I really do think it sets a really good tone for the rest of the script. Is there a reason why you went with dude loses his job as opposed to gets dumped or, you know, grandpa passes away or, you know, dog gets hit by a bus. Was there a specific thing you went with because of the firing? Those are all good jumping off points. Like I said, there's a lot of films that start with a guy getting fired or dumped, like you said. It, it's easy to kind of put, it, it gets you, it, it gives the character a relatable moment. I think for the most part, though, getting fired shows that he is, it could have worked in a relationship too, but this shows that this guy doesn't have his life together, that, that we start off knowing this. Yeah. It also gave it some funnier dialogue getting funny is getting i mean getting fired is funnier than getting dumped getting dumped a little sad <laughs> getting fired can be funny yeah what you're getting fired for is something really stupid That's um true. like if he was saying disparaging things about his girlfriend and her dumping him you wouldn't really it wouldn't really enamor you to this character as getting fired and, and because he was talking crap about his job in the break room to everybody that's something you can relate a little bit easier to and kind of root for the guy even though you know that he's He's making a bad choice. Specifically, if I remember right, saying that he would rather eat poo in North Korea than work this job. He would rather, yeah, I think it's something like he'd rather work at a North Korean murder factory and eat poo for a living. That's it. That's the, yeah, that's the line. It gave a chance for me to write something really funny. And I guess starting, yeah. starting the film off like that, you know, if you start with a, a funny hook like that, hopefully the character. Hopefully the audience will be more drawn to the characters. Well, the boss is so characterized, too, because you know that he doesn't find this funny at all, which just sets it up that he has, like, no sympathy for the Chris character, and he's just been waiting for this moment to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's he's, he's reading off the uh, screenplay while Chris just kind of nods in agreement. Like, oh, 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 I said that, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I did say that. <laughs> that. He's not in that much trouble. Well, well I said in the break room, yeah, you know, so, yeah, I, I, um, and uh, as he kind of tries to, to half-ass his way out of it, to talk his way out of it, when the boss is, you know, telling him, like, uh, like, do you really think that about this company? Oh, I don't think about you. 
you're you're great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to that doesn't seem to think he's in that much trouble at first because he's just a dummy. Yeah, he doesn't get it at all in the beginning. But his the whole thing. He, one of the things I noticed after reading the script was he he gets fired. When he gets shot and when he actually makes friends with Matt, that's all three of those big things that happen in the script are all the result of Chris just saying what's on his mind at that point. He was talking crap about his job. At one point, he says, you know what, man, just go ahead and shoot me. It's not I, I, go ahead. I'm sick of this. And then when he says, yeah, we I, I'm not going to turn you in. Every big thing that happens in the script is because Chris said what was on his mind at that point. Is there it was that on purpose? Is there like a is that like the moral to the story here? Uh, I don't even, you know, I've, I've tried to work out what the moral of the story is. Uh, but yeah, there, there is kind of an idea that, that this guy is kind of his own worst enemy, but yeah. at the same time, it's, it's even though he gets himself in all sorts of this trouble, it, this, these things start moving his life forward Him kind of being like, you know, person more well put together when having these thoughts about his job would, would, you know, write a resume and look for a new job. Uh, Chris in the story, you know, just ends up getting fired. He does it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, basically, even though he, he has this trouble getting fired, he does stop working at a job he hates. Even though he says something that gets him shot, it also <laughs> gets him a new friend in the end. Um, so there's a bit about, you know, about honesty, about the characters being themselves. And it's the same thing with the Matt character, too. In the end, you know, um, he kind of has this, this puppy dog moment with, with Chris where he's really, really concerned about Chris and uh, is even willing to potentially get himself in trouble just to make sure Chris is okay. And they kind of come to an understanding, and, and it, it comes to a quick friendship. You know? Yeah, well, both of the guys redeem themselves. There's this element of redemption that Chris has by actually getting shot, and then Matt's redemption mm-hmm. comes by sticking around for him. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would say so. They They kind of both... They they win in the end by being good friends by doing you know they they by being friends they kind of both become the heroes. That's story. so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> the friendship theme <laughs> is like cute out of this world in this script. <laughs> Let's yeah, talk about so him getting shot. Funny story about this is about is about um, yes. about one month after I finished the screenplay. Uh, there's a cartoon on Netflix. Uh, it's written by Bill Burr. It's called F is for Family. I don't oh, know yeah. if either of you guys have seen it. I'm, I haven't watched it, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. So anyway, the the final episode, the second season came out about a month right after I finished writing this, and the second season ends with the main character having a gun held up to him, and he says pretty much exactly the same thing my character said word for word. Oh, you're so, kidding. Um, I'm almost worried about people reading this this screenplay and then have oh, he just took to the end of Evans uh, for Family season two. Um, but I guess it's it's a similar relatable moment. So I was a little bit frustrated by that. But then at the same time, it's like, well, hell, I came up with the same thing Bill Burr did, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, so. that's not that's not a bad thing at all. Well, yeah, you're almost you're tapping into sort of a universal thing then. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, being honest about something when uh, you're about to die, I guess so. <laughs> Let's talk about this shooting um, moment again then too. Um, Chris, do you want to just kind of tell our listeners what the lead-up is to him actually getting shot? The lead-up is, is when you read, uh, Matt, obviously, first of all, is very frustrated that that Chris has no money. Uh, Chris wants to go. Can I go? Like, no, no, you can't go. His idea is to take Chris to a bank and to withdraw money from his checking account. Of course, you find out, and there's, this is hinted at early when he tries to buy a sandwich, 
he probably doesn't have that much money in his account. It turns out he has something like $2.60 <laughs> in his account. So the character of Matt is kind of desperate, doesn't know what to do with Chris, and walks him into an alley. And they kind of have this kind of standoff there where, you know, Matt doesn't want to let Chris go because he could get in trouble with the police or something if he's identified. Chris is getting, is actually starting to get scared and is a little desperate and uh, is wondering how he's going to get out with it. And it kind of comes to a head where Chris just screams out about, you know what, if you're going to shoot me, you might as well shoot me. Uh, My life's a mess. I've never been good at any job I have. I don't enjoy anything. I don't have any relationships. Um, The dialogue's a little bit funny at the same time, so it's not 100% tragic and depressing yeah it's not a drama he's or anything. yelling yelling at matt and you know just go ahead shoot me you know and uh matt does that he shoots him <laughs> and then seems to instantly regret it and both characters kind of scream for a while they're like oh you shot me and uh <laughs> yeah like um he's, uh, and apparently the character of matt even admits like i was trying not to shoot you yeah you, know? you made and, me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you were yelling at me i didn't know what to do you know uh, <laughs> And and so they uh, they both kind of instantly regret the situation they're in, and then it kind of turns from a desperate, scary situation into more of a into more of kind of a sweet, friendly situation as the characters then kind of help each instantly help each other out. Call you know one calls an ambulance for the other. Well, you know Chris says, "All right, Matt, just you know just go, just go." And yeah. Matt's like, oh, "Okay, are you sure?" Yeah, yeah, just just go. And of course Matt, you know, after running away, comes walking back into frame because he can't go. He's too worried about this he guy. Just he just can't leave him. You know, and that. Yeah. yeah, that was a sweet little moment. And a lot of that, there's so, so between the Chris and Matt character, chemistry is such a yeah. big thing between these two. And uh, you wrote it with, yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy when you write it with you and one of your best friends in mind. Yeah. So it, it's, it's easy to get like uh you know, all sweet and stuff when you know how your friend would react to situations and stuff like that. When yeah. it's, it's, you know, these characters don't know it yet, but they can count on each other and they haven't learned that just yet. But they're both kind of, they're both kind of dinkuses and there's kind of like a destiny that these characters met. You know, they even kind of talk about that before the shooting even happens. You know, oh God, why did it have to be you of all people to meet, you know? And so at first they kind of have this kind of, it's a hatred they have, but it's kind of a soft hatred because you even see little bits of them, like, you know, when they're they're going to the ATM, there's a guy taking forever in front of them at the ATM, and they're both like, both of them together. Jesus, this guy's taking forever. I love that part. So you can tell that there that there's something about them that they have in common, but it, it doesn't come out until after the actual shooting happens. When you were writing this, you know, you said it was like one of the most recent things that you finished. What, did it just kind of like mm-hmm. flow out of you or were you very specific about? It, it, blew, it blew out of me. There's other ones I've been working on that are a bit more complex um, that I'm still working on. This one, this one came out so easy. This took like maybe a week and a half to write. It just, um, every time I sat down and got to it, it's just a lot of, a lot of dialogue came out. So uh, sometimes a few plot things I had to redo, you know, when I tried to work it out in my head to let it seem more natural, but the dialogue came out pretty easily. And, uh, I think I got enough funny parts and enough kind of sweet parts in it that it all like kind of came together pretty nicely. Did what kind of part, which ones did you rewrite when you were working on it? Um, I think there was a bit more, 
as a lot of times first drafts can be those a bit a little bit more too much explaining themselves instead of just being funny or just being characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so certain parts that in fact later on I have them kind of cut off in the middle of sentences. There was you know, there was just more kind of writing like, Okay, listen, uh I'm not leaving here without any money, so we're going to a bank, stuff like that that's just like kind of lame and, and it wasn't really needed to be in there. Also, um I'm trying to remember how I had originally written it. I think he was, I think at first they passed the sandwich place again before they went in the bank. And Chris kind of like tries to like get the girl's attention oh, okay. at the sandwich shop. Like, hey, I'm being rough. But she like kind of looks at him and rolls her eyes, which would be a funny part. But um, it kind of logistically made worse sense, you know. Um, so I, I kind of cut that part out. Mm-hmm. So things that just again for production would be easier to do or just kind of like helped move your story forward in a faster way were kind of things you were focusing on? Yeah, because I'm imagining this would be like, what, a 15-minute movie? A 10 to 15-minute movie, a really short film, and and certain times padding on certain things. Even if, you know, something like that would just get a little chuckle, but it would kind of slow down what the whole point of this is. Right. Kind of like, yeah, we already know he's bad with girls. We don't need to see that again, you know? Yeah, well, the escalation... <laughs> you do see it again, in fact, in the ending. But so it's... it's, <laughs> it's so that, you know, the audience doesn't need to be reminded or yeah. doesn't need to be beaten down that much, you know? You just reminded me about the nurse. That's what you meant when you see that he's bad with girls again. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, there was a lot of blood, right? And she's like, no. <laughs> and, and he looks so disappointed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the screenplay, what is it called? The Betchel test? The screenplay definitely does not pass that test. What is it? The, uh, well, you got a pretty limited theory, cast. Like a movie where it has to contain at least one scene of two women talking to each other and not being about a man. This fails on all cylinders. That test is really... This is really kind of a, a dinkus guy's movie. So. <laughs> it may not be that hard to go back in and edit, do some like maybe post credit scene where the nurse and the sandwich girl are talking to each other. <laughs> not, and not even yeah, about the nurse, these two the idiots that were around him, just what their day was like. You know? And they're always like, what is it with all these terrible men out there? And well, that would be talking about a match. Yeah, right. They just got they just happen to be friends or roommates or something. Yeah. That would be <laughs> funny. Like that. Yeah. Um, do you ever think about expanding this? Because I of course it's so it's such a great little capsule of buddy comedy, but because you do it so well, there's so much you could do uh on like a, a feature length and i'm just wondering if like you've written other things with these characters or other situations you know um, i'm kind of got an idea for a feature length i'm kind of writing it's it's not based on this but kind of based on similar characters it'd be kind of more of a uh a romantic comedy-esque type movie mm-hmm. that's kind of like what i'm trying to write right now there's not much in it yet but on the same idea of these people who are kind of failures at life who, who find each other. Um, same kind of story. This one, I kind of like how short it is. I don't know. If, I don't know if expanding this would make it better. You know, if it was a feature length, I mean, it might just drag on what the point of this kind of is, you know, like if they get in a car chase or whatever, I don't know if it would make it any better. <laughs> Maybe 75% of the movie should be a car chase, you know, so that might work. Too. I'd, I'd watch these guys take a moment to try to plot robbing a bank or something. <laughs> yeah, that that would that would work. That could be the sequel. Yeah, they just decide to become actual criminals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it would solve all their problems, right? They both are in need of money here. One of them's got to get a new TV. They could get a jail cell together in the end. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> in the end, perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's you could so be like, cute. I'm glad you. You know, they could say things like, "Well, you know, I don't have to 
worry about using the toilet when you're around, you know, I, mean, I, I feel kind of comfortable around you. Oh, Put thanks, the seat man. down. Uh, there isn't one. <laughs> the dialogue in the, in the little freestanding toilet in the jail cell. And that'd be cheap to shoot, too. Yeah, exactly. And if you're wondering where these two guys would end up, that's it. They're both just going to share a jail cell together. Best friends, right? Oh. They yep. get prison tattoos together and everything. Um, do you Have you written other comedies, then? Everything I do, um, like I, I've done a bunch of comics next year. I'm hopefully going to release my web comic. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, more the time it's sci-fi based and I'm combining my artwork in, but pretty much comedy has always been one of my major things. Even if I'm doing something that the idea is a drama or, you know, the idea would be like an action story. I still think comedy is really important. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, a lot of times even a drama I think needs a good in- injection of, of a few good comedic parts at least because uh, comedy helps you relate to a character more than anything else, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Tell us some more about your webcomic. What is... I I actually... I just don't know anything about it and I want to. Oh, um... It's, uh... It's... Well, yeah, uh, I didn't expect you to ask me that. It's It's going to be a sci-fi <laughs> epic one that's mostly comedic. Um, so you've seen things like Futurama or Rick and Morty. Imagine something like that. Sure. Uh, it gets a bit metaphysical here and there, but it's it's basically about um, a character who kind of, you know, goes a little alien guy. He goes from planets to planets, screwing things up more than saving them, even though he fashions himself this kind of heroic space character. Um, kind of, kind of a sci-fi comedy trope. We've seen it um, with like, uh, kind of like the, the doofus version of Captain Kirk, or whatever like that. Um, starts off like that, but actually would eventually get more dramatic as other characters are involved in, and then ends up being more kind of out of place of a person in the universe. Uh, but that's all. Only, only two issues have been done so far. So, <laughs> just the beginning of the story just yet. But uh, hopefully, in the next year, I'll have. At least I'm hoping to have at least four issues out that you can look at that on a, on a website. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes just kind of getting some of the work out there is inspiring and will keep you going with the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why I, I started doing something like this, like this short screenplay, just because it was the idea that um, you can either take, you can either work forever on something or you can work forever or something in a couple of weeks and at least put it out there and see how people react to it. So you said you've you've you now that you've finished this holdup script and you've you've shopped it around a little bit. It, what's uh, what's next for this? Is uh, anything in the works? I've shopped it around a little bit. Um, I'd like to do it some more. So thank you guys for interviewing about interviewing me about it. So hopefully, because it's also hear about it a notice um, for people that want jobs doing the script. <laughs> I'm sorry? Well, I was just making the joke that sometimes these interviews are great because people can hear about the work you're doing and get in touch with you if they want to yeah, be involved. Yeah, it's, it's hard when you just have one out there. So um, I, plan on sh- I plan on shopping this one some more. Um, I've been writing a little bit more, but this one's not, it's not dead yet. You can always shop it, you know. Uh, that's, that's kind of the plan with this one. Seeing if there's someone out there who'd be interested in, in filming it. Uh, if there is somebody out there that wants to do that or get in touch with you about uh, the webcomic or anything else, what's the what's the best way to get in touch with you? Pretty easy to do. I've got an email account uh, just for creative endeavors. It's called Private. Chris at RubberSpaceship.com. Ooh. That's kind of my 
brands. It's easy to remember. Rubber Spaceship. So Chris at RubberSpaceship.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, if I take a day or two to get back to you, that's just me not checking my email a couple of days. Um, I usually respond pretty quickly, though. Um, and, yeah, it, anything, because I also do illustration, stuff like that. There's a website, like I said, will be coming out next year that will display all of these things. So uh, RubberSpaceship.com. Right now there's nothing on it, but it'll eventually be a thing. Okay, cool. So Chris at RubberSpaceship.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Chris, that that's uh, great. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you coming on. We really dug. Uh, we really dug hold up. Yeah, we did. Oh, thanks so much, guys. I, I thanks for having me on. It's been great. Appreciate it's our it. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um. So, listeners, thanks for tuning in as we talked to Chris about his his well tuned bromance of a comedy. Yeah. With these lovable doofuses getting into dinguses, uh, dinguses as we've. I love that word. Yeah. Dinguses. It's very specific. It is. And, you, you know, if he, Chris didn't mention that I know him in IRL in real life. And uh-huh. he's, uh, I, dinguses is a good word for him, uh-huh. I think. I mean, I love, lovable, right? I don't, maybe I should just stop talking. <laughs> I feel bad. I mean, listen, he named the main character Chris. That's cool. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. Um, writers, if you would like to be on the show, just like Chris was on the show and all of our other friends that we are making here at Script Shop, Please send your scripts into scriptshopshow.com slash submit. We would love to read your scripts. Jack and I both read them. We yes. text each other about them. We plan to schedule them on the show, and then we actually have you on the show, which is fun for us. Could be fun for you. And um, just let us know what you're thinking. Send in those scripts, scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And if you're one of the people out there who's listening who doesn't necessarily have a script, but you enjoy reading other people's work, uh, we really would love your support. Please get onto iTunes, leave us a rating, subscribe to us. And we're on various social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Script Shop Show. Uh, check us out, please, uh, and uh, give us a thumbs up and we'll... Thumb you up right back in the <laughs> that most platonic so way possible. <laughs> what did Jack? How, did, hmm. You don't even have Facebook. Is that why you don't yeah, know, know why it's not okay to say? We're gonna and here's thumbs the thing. You here's up. the thing. I don't want to be one of those guys that like acts like they don't know and like says things wrong on purpose. That sounds that to me. That's so hacky. Yeah. I really hate it when people like go out of their way to call it the internet and like mispronounce what Facebook is. So let me just clarify that Jack actually does not have. A I'm genuinely Facebook ignorant. Account. I'm on Twitter, but it's private, and it's, I don't want to go into it. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But anyway. please, anyway, script shop show, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please check us out, and uh, we would appreciate that very much. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Big thanks again to Chris Pinner for coming on the show with us. And that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.